Welcome to episode two of the OTS podcast. I am your host, Christian Gaten, and today we have on Newt Severson and Amanda Severson. I'd like to start off, Newt, you introducing yourself and a little about what you do. Yes, sir. So um, I am 29 years old, born and raised here in uh, Wright County, Clarion grad, went to Iowa State, got my degree in horticulture and agronomy. Um, out of high school, I wanted to be a turf grass management major, uh, spent my collegiate years, um, taking care of athletic fields for multiple different sports organizations, uh, realized I wasn't a big fan of the city, decided to move back to the family farm and start a 100% grass-fed beef business. Amanda, a little bit about yourself. Oh, you kept it pretty short. That's impressive. <laughs> um, okay, so I grew up in Washington State. Uh, I grew up in a small town and didn't really know anything about agriculture or food at all. Um, my dream was to work for the Seattle Seahawks. And when I graduated from college, that was the internship offer that I got. Um, so I had achieved my dream up until that point. And I w was in marketing, um, communication events type stuff. So I did hospitality and events for them. Um, but there was a, another intern there <laughs> that was doing turf grass management, Newt, and uh, met, and he kind of threw a wrench into all the plans. So he moved back to Iowa to start a beef business, and I didn't want to move back right away. Um, I wanted to keep my job at the Seahawks, but it, that didn't work out, and I needed a new job and uh, got an, an offer from the LPGA, Ladies Professional Golf, and they are headquartered in Florida, but I found out that the job was located in Iowa that they wanted me for, so I thought that was pretty fitting, God slapping me across the face and telling me to go. So I moved to Iowa in 2016, and by the middle of 2016, I was helping Newt do the marketing for this business that I don't even know if it had a name yet, Selling Beef, um, and that's how I got to where we are today. Now we got... Ooh, well, now you can hear. We have uh, two kids, one sitting on my lap, sick, <laughs> uh, Luella, who's almost six months old, and then we have Harbor, who's two and a half. So I've never been to Washington personally, but I'm assuming that was a big change in environment and everything for you. How do you think that uh, transition was for you? Um, so I, I think it was difficult. I mean, I definitely struggled. Um, I was used to the small town feel. Uh, but I had been living in Seattle when I moved to Iowa, but I eased into it. So I didn't move straight to the farm. I think that probably would have spelled out some disaster. So I started by moving to Des Moines and lived in downtown Des Moines, which actually was awesome. Like, I loved downtown Des Moines. It was so fun um, and perfect for the stage of life I was at. And then I moved to Ames, so slightly smaller, and then I moved to the farm. <laughs> uh, and moving to the farm was definitely the biggest adjustment. Like, did not grow up in a industry that was so cyclical and reliant upon the weather and harvest and planting season where you just don't see your spouse and they're so busy. So huge adjustment to learning about agriculture and that way of life um, and adjusting to farmland and not mountains. I know I do miss my mountains sometimes. <laughs> um, what do you think was the hardest lesson or truth you had to learn? Mm, about moving? The hardest lesson or truth I had to learn um, you have to spend money to make money. <laughs> I hated debt and was raised in such a way where I had seen my parents have like credit card debt and things and really didn't want that for myself. So I thought I would never 
take out a loan or have debt. And then I married Newt, and we were needing operating notes before we even got married. And I was signing notes for like $100,000 of operating, not understanding how I was going to pay that back. So it's it was a really hard truth to learn that it can be good for a business to take out money and take that risk um, when you know that it's going to have a return. And it just took me a long time to learn that and relax. I'm still relaxing, Newt would say. Newt, what would you say would be the hardest lesson you learned along the process? I would say it have, would have something to do with being married to your business partner. Um, I think it makes our business what it is. I don't think it would be what it is without um, us in it together because I think we both have a serious amount of love for it. But you also have a lot of, have to have a lot of grace and understanding for each other, working both ways. Um, it's just exactly what Amanda just said. She had a harder time conceptualizing where the money was going to come from in the coming 24 months when we signed an operating note. Um, you know, I needed to be a little bit more, looking back, I should have been a little bit more loving, a little bit more patience, patient um, with that side of our business. But um, I would say that's what was a big thing, just communicating and being patient with my business partner and knowing that she wasn't just my business partner, but also my spouse and the mother of our children. So, um, yeah, I would say in terms of the business, that was by far the, I'd say one of the bigger, bigger things. So you grew up on a farm. Did you eventually think you were going to come back to agriculture or did you want to get away from it? Good question, Christian. Uh, I wanted to get the heck out of Dodge. I uh, didn't like the farming lifestyle, I guess you could say. I just, I wanted to live in a big city. I wanted to be able to walk to anywhere I wanted to go. Um, but uh, I also wanted to continue to be involved in growing things. I wanted to, I liked the actual act of seeing, planting a seed, watching it grow, tending to it, and then somewhat having a harvest but I also loved sports you know I played football in college I loved baseball it's by far my favorite sport um, so I really wanted to still be involved in um, in sporting events even if I couldn't play myself so I thought turf grass management would be the perfect segue I can farm on a really small scale and I get to be around sports and I get to live in a big city it was a win-win-win um, and then I, I got there and I realized I I really didn't like the big city. I didn't really like some of the athletes I was around. So I was realizing the only thing that I really loved was the farming aspect of uh, the turf grass management. So I think um, I just liked the idea of a big city and a different life. And then once I got there, I, I thought what I had was pretty awesome. That that old saying, you got to, gotta, how's it go? You got to lose something to realize how good you had it. Something like that. Amanda, you mentioned the work for the Seahawks. Do you have any crazy stories involving that? Yes, uh, too many. Um, I I think probably my craziest story was that we worked there at the time where Marshawn Lynch was still playing for the Seahawks. And uh, he was a very eclectic, I guess would be the right way to ex explain him, guy. He just commanded attention and said things to make you nervous on purpose. And as a person in the front office, you're really not supposed to interact with the players very much, and they're on a separate floor, so you keep your distance. But 
in one situation, I needed to go down to the loading dock and grab something. And so you have to take an elevator. And when I was getting back into the elevator, uh, Marshawn Lynch said, hold the door. And he was coming up from practice. And I thought I was just holding it for him. But then, like, the entire offensive line got in this tiny little elevator. And they're not small dudes. <laughs> and I had a cart. And Marshawn Lynch hopped on top of the cart. And then the elevator just almost was breaking. So it kept, like, sliding up, you know, going really, really slow the whole way up. And the whole time, Marshawn Lynch was drilling me and asking me questions to make me uncomfortable. And... I was just like beside myself nervous and knew I could get in trouble for talking to the players and just wanted off the elevator. It was the longest elevator ride of my life. Um, and then we got off and Marshawn rode on the back of my cart down the hallway. And I just remember thinking like, this guy is worth so much money. And if it comes out in the news that some intern broke Marshawn's ankle on a cart, it's gonna be bad news. The entire city of Seattle is gonna hate me. <laughs> I think that is a very true. I think the whole city actually would have hated you for that. <laughs> Who do you think was your favorite player you ever interacted with? Mm, I think probably at the time Tyler Lockett was a rookie there, and I think he's still playing for them. Um, and I just love that he was so unassuming. He was a really good guy. He pointed to Christ and everything that he did. He knew that it took a lot of work to get to where he was, but that it was also a blessing that he didn't just earn himself. And so I really appreciated the way he handled himself around other people and the graciousness he showed. I mean, there was a lot of players who didn't need to show kindness towards us or and didn't choose to show kindness, and he certainly did. New, what would you say is the crazy story you have from the Seahawks? Mm, mine would probably also include Marshawn. Uh, his uncle worked at the facility so we were part of the player ops so we were the outside player ops we took care of everything that was in the ground so the football field um the, the landscaping anything that was outside we took care of so there was an inside department too and everybody called him unk because he was marshawn's uncle <coughs> excuse me uh so unk would usually eat with us and we would hang out like we would help them inside on days uh that there was a big project and we needed some extra hands and vice versa when we were busy outside like during training camp unc would come out and help us too so we got to know unc pretty good um and he always had skittles in his office and it was just it's kind of a you know it's kind of ongoing joke that um stopping at uncle's office and get some skittles and talk with marshawn um so one day we got done painting the fields we painted the fields every monday or tuesday we were all walking up to the uh, lounge not the lounge the cafeteria so since we were part of the players ops we got all the same benefits the player ops the players did to a certain degree so we were able to eat out of the um the cafeteria we got team issued clothing um we helped at practice like i ran the first down stick at practices um, but we were finishing up with this project of painting the fields. We were walking upstairs to eat, and it was seven of us probably, and Marshawn was walking, and he sees uncle, his uncle, Unc, and uh, he stops. He says, oh, no, what are y'all getting into? And he, uh, he had a unique, I don't know, accent, if you could call it that. <clears throat> so he turns around, and he follows us up the stairs, and he's just kind of jabbering back there, just kind of filling filling the silence with with noise and 
we're all going through getting food. We all get food. We all sit down. Marshawn this whole time still is, you know, talking to each one of us kind of um, separately, but mostly just, you know, making noise. And we finally sit down, and he looks around at us all, and he goes, oh, y'all mother effers were kidding me the whole time. Y'all weren't going to get into nothing. Y'all weren't getting into nothing good. Y'all were just going to eat food, man. Y'all suck. He walked away, and it was just exactly like what Amanda said. I mean, that was a form of kindness, I thought, from Marshawn, just that he included us, and, you know, he didn't have to do that and take six minutes out of his day and and recognize that I was even a person because there were people on that team that didn't do that. So um, I don't know if it sounds as funny as it was, but I really enjoyed that 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 situation or that interaction with Marshawn. Marshawn seems to be quite the character from what I've seen from interviews and what you guys have just told me. When you first met Newt, what was your original reaction? And did you ever think he was going to be the guy you were going to marry? I think Newt thinks that I probably saw him for this first time. and was like, oh, I'm smitten forever. But no, that's not the way it happened. Um, so part of our role was training camps. And um, I worked the area of training camps where, like, the player families hung out and the celebrity guests and big corporate partners and – I had a, in another intern friend that worked with me who Newt had invited to go on a motorcycle ride with her, and she was saying no, and I was trying to figure out why she would say no to this guy. Like, what's wrong with it? I mean, he's good-looking. He's nice. Why are you saying no? And she just said that she was weirded out by how nice he was. So that's classic Midwestern guy, right? Too nice. And uh, I went up to talk to him to see – what the matter was with him and why she wouldn't go on this date. And I just remember my first impression being that he seemed like a very normal, nice guy. Like there was nothing, no red flags for me that were telling me that she shouldn't go on this date with him. Um, and remember could seeing right from the beginning that he obviously very much cared about where he came from and had a passion for agriculture and what he was doing. Cause he talked very, um, I don't know what the right word is. You just you could see his face light up in a certain way when he talked about where he came from. So I guess I just, yeah, didn't see any red flags. That's my first impression of Newt. Not very romantic. Newt, what were your first impressions of Amanda when you first met her? Christian, she had these corduroy pants on, like these brown corduroy pants on, and her butt looked super good. Super good. That's That was pretty much it. <laughs> Did not think that was going to be the first thing you said, but already. Um, I think news mentioned something about going on a trip and you saw a bunch of whales. I don't remember the exact story, but if you want to tell that for us. I've heard Newt's side of the story, so I want to hear yours. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had established kind of a, a very general friendship, but didn't know each other very well. And we both liked to get out of the city on the weekends, you know, wanted to go do stuff. And I had asked all of the guys that worked outside around a lunch table one day if they would all if anybody was interested in going on a hike with me that weekend and to be honest I didn't ask Newt because he was I hope that none of the guys take this offensively if they ever hear this but he was the only attractive one at the table (laughs) and um I was I was in a relationship at the time so I just you know it was very I just wanted to go on a hike with guys and not have it be drama filled or anything so I didn't ask him well, all the guys said no, and that pissed Newt off that I didn't ask him. So he came into the workout room later that night and said, well, do you, why don't you want to go on a hike? And I 
thought he just meant that they had all come around and decided they wanted to go on a hike. So we agreed to go the next morning and meet at the building at 6 a.m. to leave for this hike. And turns out that Newt was the only one that was going on a hike. <laughs> so we got there at 6 a.m., saw that it was just him, called my boyfriend. Boyfriend was like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, go on this hike. No big deal. So turns out the hike was like a four-hour drive, and we spent all day together. And it was in the whole rainforest. And because of our situations, we were both in relationships. We both were very, very different. He wanted to move back to Iowa. I wanted to stay in Washington. We knew there was pretty much no chance of anything ever happening. And I don't think we were at all interested in each other. So we just openly told each other everything about our lives, um, things that you would never probably tell your future spouse. And yet there we were. So we just started this really solid friendship based on telling each other everything about ourselves. And then God obviously orchestrated it in such a way where we ended up being together. And here we are about a decade later, married couple with kids. So I got a few questions about the marketing on Instagram because I follow that page and I keep up with it. Um, have you ever had any struggles setting boundaries and when to film and not to film? Uh, yes, every day. <laughs> um, we really pride ourselves with Grandview Beef that we are, oh, I hope that all the crying doesn't matter on the podcast, um, but sh we, we really pride ourselves that we're completely transparent with our customers in all aspects. And so when we show things on the farm, we tell the truth and we always show it. We, we just don't hide anything. But then where it gets iffy is the farm has really become, well, our lives have become the farm in a lot of ways. And so, so much of our day-to-day, -day, even inside the house, around the dinner table is Grandview Beef related. And a lot of way, in a lot of ways, people that follow our account have fallen in love with the relationship of Newt and Amanda and of being a part of this farm family and feeling that experience with us. So it's hard to draw the line of like, do we show inside our house? Like do, how often do we show our kids? I mean, that's a big one for us. How often are our kids on there? Or do we talk about what's going on? If we go on vacation, do we tell people? Those are all things that we're constantly trying to balance. And I don't think we have, a great answer to that besides that we just do our best when we can um you know we've made some hard rules like if we're both off the farm we don't share about it because why would we advertise to 35,000 people that we're leaving for the weekend poor Rafi would have a lot to deal with <laughs> um and we know that when harbor gets to an age that he's aware of what's happening. If he says he doesn't want to be on there, then 100% we will respect those wishes. And even now, there are times where we're, we'll be out doing chores and Harbor will say, like, no phone. And that's all we need. We, I mean, we turn it off. We don't do any more videos. And that's that. And so I think you just have to adjust as you go along and decide. Um, we want to take people along with us, but we also like to maintain aspects of our privacy. And I think it's a good balance. I think people do feel like they, they really know who we are and are a part of it. But at the same time, we're maintaining the privacy that we need as a family. I'm not sure if Newt would agree with me on that, but <laughs> hopefully. How do you get, How have you worked past all the fears of putting yourself out there in general? I think it just comes with time. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of training, which has helped. So I attended a thing called Rural Rooted, led by Natalie Kovarik and 
she is a popular Western egg influencer and she did a lot of training on how you put yourself out there and like how you tell your story and what's your reason for showing up on the platform. What's your why? Um, and I think that that, that helped being taught by somebody and realizing that it was in some ways a profession and it is work. That's something that we're constantly reminding ourselves that it, it is actually work that we're doing. Um, and then it's just, doing it over and over again. I mean, the first time you turn around the phone at your face and you talk into the camera, you feel like a total idiot. But then over time, you get better at it. And then you do it in front of a crowd and you feel a little bit more confident. And it just keeps going until it's suddenly natural. What do you wish you would have known when you first started creating and posting? I wish I would have known that people didn't really care about the beef. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that sounds silly because our account name is Grandview Beef and we talk about raising cattle for beef. But I guess what I mean by that is I was using it solely as a way to market our beef. And so I would put up pictures of beef bundles and things and try and sell packages of beef. And there was no success in that. And the more that I learned, the more I realized people weren't really buying the beef. They were buying our story, the connection to us, the transparency that we were providing them. And the more I shared about us or put a picture up with cattle in the background, but us in the foreground or told about a difficult decision we had to make or just shared vulnerably, vulnerably, if that's a word, um, that's when we really started to see success on the platform. So if somebody was starting an account today, that's what I would tell them. Like, don't just try and sell your product. Really take people along for the whole story. That was actually one of my other questions next. So it's a good thing you answered it right there. Does it surprise you how many people take interest in what you do and what you post? Yeah, I'm still not really sure that they realize they're following us. <laughs> I mean, you know, the number can look really big, right? I, I, I think right now we're somewhere in the 30,000 range, but... In reality, like the percentage of people that actually watch your stories every day and engage with you is much smaller than that. And, and that's across the board industry averages. And so I know there's not actually 35,000 people seeing what we do every day, but it still is shocking to me that there are so many people who resonate with us and want to learn more. Um, it excites me more than anything. And it's because I think we're able to talk about agriculture in a way that gets people excited about it and makes them feel welcome even if they don't have experience in it and and that's really what we're there to do so it makes me happy that so many people find an interest in it I I still every once in a while though like when we have a reel that goes more viral than others I'm not always thrilled it seems like it brings people out of the woodwork that aren't necessarily followers of us but just saw our video and want to share their opinion and that's still something I have to adjust to and learn how to overcome. I've definitely seen a few videos that have a few million views which is pretty crazy. What helps you stay inspired and centered when it comes to creating content? Breaks when I need them. Um, you know I try and stop creating content at a certain time of night. I try and set windows of time where I edit or post and then I put my phone away and that helps me stay more focused on it being a job um, and then surrounding myself with people on the platform that are similar minded and are trying to do some of the same things for their family like are very entrepreneurial or have their own farms it can be very disheartening when you get negative comments or, or um, negative feedback from people that see your videos and so to have a community of people that are supporting you is definitely inspiring to keep going and you see their content and that makes you want to create good content and also Newt is very inspirational for content because like he actually if you see the videos that have gone 
more viral for us than others, Newt's always in them. And whatever Newt does in those videos is not something that was scripted or planned. Like, he always adds his own piece to it. So he's a, a good content creator, even though he doesn't necessarily run the account. Yeah, Newt has a very outgoing persona that I definitely see why people like. Recently, I saw one of your reels, and it was about Joe Burrow and other bigger NFL stars buying land in Iowa. How does that make you feel, and how does that affect local farmers? Oh, I think instantly when I saw it, I felt nervous about it. And not any more nervous than when I see another headline of like Bill Gates buying another farm, but just... There's so much more attention on farmland today, and it's going to these big corporations or celebrities, and it's garnering all this national media attention, and it's very nerve-wracking as a small farm who would like to grow. Um, you know, land is really expensive, and when we're competing for land with those types of people, we won't ever win. I mean, that's generational wealth that they have that we just would never be able to compete with. So um, it makes me anxious that there won't be as many opportunities for small farmers to buy ground. And it, I wish that I could just sit down and have a conversation with the people that buy it and find out what their motives are. Like, is it truly just a financial investment or are they interested in learning about agriculture? Do they want to be a part of the food system and help it improve and be better? I mean, if that's the case, I think that's awesome. Like if Joe Burrow wants to be involved in ag, he can have way more of a platform than I ever can. And he could really make a difference, but I just don't know what their motives are for buying it. And that's where I get anxious. What keeps you going every day? coffee and newt <laughs> no i i mean i think we are super passionate about what we're doing and that we're definitely when I mean, we would love to make money yes but this is not a business where we're going to become millionaires we're doing it because we're really passionate about it and so that's what keeps us going and i think we continue to see god open doors for us and opportunities and so we feel like we have his blessing to continue, and, and that makes it all the more exciting. What's your definition of success? Paying back all the operating notes, <laughs> all the money that I'm worried about that we borrowed, like being able to pay it back. No, I mean, one of the things I'm learning even is that the moment we don't have any of those means we're not growing fast enough or we're not taking enough risk because we, we should continue to grow and take those opportunities. But I, I think... If we can have a business model that's successful enough that we weren't reliant upon outside income, like we just truly could support our family entirely off of the business, that would be success to me. And I mean, I, I see a version of success in every person that learns something about agriculture from us. I always feel like we've accomplished something when I hear somebody say back to me, oh, I never knew that, or I learned from your stories that this happens, and you just, you see that people are maybe starting to get an interest in agriculture where they didn't before. Yeah, I have no background in agriculture, so I definitely take a lot from the Instagram, because I, I see it every day, like, my friend Rafi's always on it, so it's always dope to see him, like, excited and happy to be out there with you guys. What would be your philosophy for a good life? Ugh, I don't know, I think we have it. I mean, I guess it would be to... Be true to yourself and not feel like you have to fall into a certain mold just because that's the way you were brought up or, or that's the way that the world confines you to be. Like, I didn't have any interest in agriculture. I didn't grow up in it. And there were a lot of people in my life who, when they saw that I was moving to a farm, thought that that was a dumb idea and that I wasn't going to make it. And 
if I would have listened to them, I would be missing out on what I believe is true happiness that I found. And I only found it on the farm. And so I think you can take risks and be somebody different than who everybody else is expecting you to be. And that can lead to some really cool outcomes. So I asked Newt this in uh, part one of this, and he kind of struggled to answer this one, but if you could put anything on a billboard for millions of people to see, what would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's so hard. I think I would want it to say, like, don't ask Google, ask a farmer. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I would want to make people second-guess where their food was coming from and like to realize that there was real human beings growing it and that they could go and ask them a question or maybe I, I mean I'm sure I would hugely regret this but like putting my phone number up there and being like ask a farmer anything call this number that would be such a nightmare but I, you'd probably help a lot of people learn where their food came from I think I don't remember what he said. I have to listen to part one again because I still have to edit this and then edit the last one. But so, yeah, that's something I feel like a lot of people take for granted. I think that's one thing I used to take for granted before I kind of was learning more about it because it's just something you never really think about. That includes beef like you guys do, crops, everything. Um, I know your son's name is Harbor, and I know there's a pretty interesting story behind that if you want to tell it for us. Sure. Um, uh, well, Newt and I, was ha we were having a really hard time coming up with a name for a boy and Newt was really set on this name and you should definitely share your opinion if you like it but Newt really wanted to name our kid Rise and I was like Rise is a verb not a noun <laughs> so we couldn't we couldn't agree on a name and we went back and forth and back and forth and we had kind of landed on we wanted to be a place like we both love to travel places mean a lot to us a lot of our history is tied to these different places around the map. And so our first date was to a place called Friday Harbor. And one day, I don't remember which one of us it was, had the idea of like, oh, we could just take the harbor part. And it was also right during the start of COVID and a time where people didn't know if it was serious or not. And everybody was really scared. And it felt like this baby was like this safe place for us. And when you look up the definition of a harbor, it's a safe place to get out of the storm. And we just thought how cool to name our son after a place that's important to us that he could go back and visit, but also after the definition of something that means that like they're a refuge, they're a safe place for other people. I think Rise would have been a very interesting name. I've definitely heard some interesting ones. Like, I have a few friends whose name are, like, Legend and Dashel for one. I've never heard. Justice, another. So those are definitely interesting. Harbor, I have definitely a unique name, so I must ask about the next name. Loella, how did you guys come up with that? I feel like Newt should tell that story because that Newt was really gung-ho for Luella from before when Harbor was born. If Harbor was going to be a girl, it, it would have been Luella. My day job, I am a Pioneer Seed Sales representative. Um, I'm very passionate about that. I love uh, commercial agriculture. I think it's a need in America. Um, I also get to interact with a lot of really awesome, awesome people. Um, the agriculture people as a whole are really great. And one of the people I got to interact with, her name was Luella. Luella graduated from high school, I think from Clarion, uh, 1940s, 41, 42 time frame, moved to Pasadena, California, bought a restaurant for like seven grand, sold it in 2010 for $8 million. 
So talk about return on investment, just an entrepreneurial powerhouse. Um, she then turned around and purchased what I believe was her family's farm. Um, and instead of, you know, having a another company manage it or just ride away into the sunset and take her checks. She still does crop share, which means she pays for half of all the input. So every single year I have to call her and I have to talk to her on the phone and send her a bill and she sends me a check. And, um, she was 99 years old this last year or this year. And just still super smart and with it. And I just thought, Man, how awesome this woman, 99 years old, entrepreneurial as all get out, and decided to invest back into the family farm and then continue to allow her family to farm it. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I think Neil also just thought that like, he thought the name was really pretty. Yes. And so he said, asked her one day, like, can I name my daughter after you? Which must have been kind of an awkward conversation since he didn't know her that well. <laughs> and I guess she said something like, yeah, a lot of people think I'm cool shit. Of course you can. <laughs> so, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. I left that part out. So um, what what is also cool about Luella's name is her middle name is a place similar to Harbor. So it's a piece of farm ground owned in our family. And so one day when she's older, she can go back to that place, just like Harbor can go back to Friday Harbor. What's her middle name? It's Lova, L-O-V-A. Interesting names. Very interesting. If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? Uh, I Do more of what you like to do and less of what other people want you to do. I think for a long time I tried to be somebody else because that's what was cool or what people were expecting of me and... Like even today I struggle with, oh, should I be chasing a corporate ladder somewhere because that's what I always thought I would be doing and instead I'm on a farm and ranch and sometimes that means my day job is feeding animals and, and I love doing that but it also didn't take a college degree. <laughs> so I I think I just put a lot of expectations on myself and I wish I would have enjoyed it more and chosen to do the things I love doing. Yeah, it's something me and Newt talked about during part one about how people just care too much about what other people think, so they make life choices based on that. What's your craziest life experience? That's hard. I don't know. I I don't lead that crazy of a life. Like, probably, um, I guess I would probably say having my kids would be. I, I think, you know, growing up on a farm, you see cattle <laughs> have calves all the time and it's just like the way that nature intended it to go and it was a pretty crazy experience to to do that to give birth to have kids and now be responsible for them and see that like you created life and now you have to help teach them what to do <laughs> for the next 18 years that's a boring answer. What did Newt say for his craziest experience? I believe his was uh, the murderer or person he used to live with, which was pretty crazy when he told me the guy had spent, I think it was like 30-something years in prison, and he didn't know. I feel like I definitely would have lost a lot of sleep over that. He said he contemplated moving out, too. I can't imagine being in that position. I know Rafi has mentioned that you used to play soccer in college, too. Do you want to tell us a little about that? Yeah, I was always kind of just average at everything, which isn't a bad thing. Um, 
but I was never like a shining star athlete. And so I had really, I loved soccer. I played it my entire upbringing and there was always girls on the team that were better than me. I wanted to go to a four year D one school and knew that I wasn't going to make a team. So there was a club team there and I tried out and I played and just the first year, um, that I was there and found that while I still loved soccer, like maybe I liked the team aspect of it more than the actual sport itself. Cause the team feeling was very different and in, in a club sport and, um, ended up deciding not to play it again after that. But I will say like, gosh, I really would like Clarion Goldfield Dows to get a soccer team because I really miss playing and I'd like to be able to go out and kick around the ball with some people here in town. And I tell Newt that if by the time our kids are in high school, there's not a soccer team, there's going to be problems. <laughs> I think I've heard them talking about it actually, which I mean, I wish it would have been around when I was in high school because I didn't like track very much. So I definitely would have much rather played soccer. Do you think you will ever get into coaching soccer if the team maybe talks to you about becoming a coach? I would love to volunteer originally as a coach and just, like, see how it goes. I don't know that I'm head coach material, um, although I've heard that average soccer players tend to be better coaches. <laughs> um, but I would love to be a volunteer. I think, you know, Newt and I are in a stage of our life right now where we have a lot going on, um, and we both really want to say yes to everything and are learning that we have to say no to a lot. And one of those things has been coaching for both of us. Um, you know, Newt was coaching full-time staff and had to take a step back and just be a volunteer coach because it was just too much on our family to have those nights and weekends where he was gone at meets and similar for soccer would love to volunteer but know that I'm not going to be able to make every match yeah I've wrestled Newt before I can honestly say that didn't go well for me definitely got my butt kicked it's one of those things where I only wrestled for about two years so he definitely had a lot of experience on me which was I mean it hurts every time you get Brought kicked in practice, but you live and you learn. We'll have to maybe roll around sometime, see if you can keep up now that he's older. Oh, <laughs> challenge accepted, Christian. Let's do it. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other questions for you guys specifically. Um, I don't know if you guys have any questions for me at all. I have one for you. So I always felt like um, podcast was a very entrepreneurial um venture i mean it's it's something that you kind of got to put yourself out there and you got to think of these questions and you got to you know schedule these appointments and have a relationship somewhat uh with people to get a base before you know you all of a sudden have a a good clientele or a good following so um i mean can you talk a bit about why you have that where that came from do you have do you have a desire to start a business are you entrepreneurial would you consider yourself an entrepreneurial person um so i would say yes um i want to start my own clothing line at one point so that's one of the things um the podcast is mainly just because i like talking to people and it's just something that you can do for anywhere like i'm i have one microphone right now a map my macbook is what i'm recording on right now eventually i'd like to get like a studio set up a little noise canceling action too so more mics, headsets. Um, I think that'll, I want to retire by the time I'm 35. So I think this is definitely like a start to get in there. Um, growing up, I was never, I can say I always had food on the table, clothes on my back, but it was never like I'd get to go on vacations and stuff. Cause my, I grew up with my grandparents as well. 
so we never had crazy amounts of money so i'd like to when i get older provide like for my kids what i never got to experience i guess would be the best answer i can give retire at 35 christian how are you gonna do that i want to know because i would like to do it because i got like five years till i'm 35 and that doesn't sound too bad um so i'm currently starting a new job here soon it's a sales job so it's basically it's all commission so whatever i put in i'm gonna end up getting out i'd like to eventually have that move me into real estate and get into flipping houses and just doing all that um this podcast i hope takes off maybe make some money off of this too the clothing line eventually get that set up and get that taken care of and have money coming in from there too well i'm looking forward to seeing those those entrepreneur entrepreneurship ventures blossom and i'll uh i'll definitely purchase some of your clothing appreciate that um i guess another thing i forgot to mention is i want to compete in a bodybuilding show in the next five years so that's something i want to that's why I lift every day. Like sometimes I'll take a few months off out of the year, but I get back to it. And that's something I want to do in the next five years for sure. That's something that takes a bunch of dedication and a, a lot of hard work. So applaud to you on that venture as well. That's, that's cool. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate you guys being my first guest on. I think this will be a two part series. I'll upload part one with just Newt and then the second part with both Amanda and Newt. So thank you guys for being on. Thanks for having us, Christian. Again, I'd like to thank Newt and Amanda for being on this episode. This was episode two of a two-part series. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. And like before, just check out grampybeef.com and get your beef. Also check out their Instagram to keep up with what they do on a regular basis. Thank you for listening.